Spoilers ahoy! Hi, Ellie. <laughs> Hi, Gavin. It's spo- oh oh now we're doing the I'm awake voice. Okay, now, right as I'm stretching. It's, cool. I'm I'm we're Wait. awake. It's eight. Nope, it's ten o'clock in the morning. But we woke up at well, Gavin woke up at two. Yeah, I've been awake Was for ten awake hours, and it's noon my time. So. <laughs> I, I, I don't need your performative awakeness in here. Listen, listen. If I don't perform awake, no one's going to be able to understand me. Ah, <laughs> uh, Ellie, this is somewhat me trying to uh, move away from <laughs> the first time I had you on Tuned In Dialed Up was for a decidedly serious episode. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to have some fun. Yeah. This one is, uh, when we've been doing Spoilers Ahoy in the past, it's been over stuff that's like, of the moment, just came out, something a lot of people are talking about, or we think people will be talking about, but I feel like this side thing also has a lot of opportunity to talk about things we just like. Um, I fell into This Sounds Serious a few weeks ago, and then I DM'd you, and I was like, can we yell about this together? <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. so that was my response basically <laughs> <laughs> i'm guessing from the fact that the word spoilers is in the title it's not too big of a leap for you dear audience member to assume that we're going to talk about things that happen in this sound serious so uh at least in the beginning there'll probably be very few outright spoilers but we're gonna get into it so just be forewarned if you're worried about that you can go listen to this sound serious right now um if you have no idea what this sound serious is and you're listening to this because you're a completionist like me of course (laughs) uh this sound serious is a parody true crime podcast from Canada. But it's also so much got, more than that, which makes it, it so is, beautiful. That's just like the basic, the very foundation of its existence. Dare I say, at times it's satire. <laughs> Dare we say that it the, the, nails satire. The smart person's parody. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds serious is constructed like and follows a similar plot arc to what serial wants to accomplish in every season that's not season one they want to have some sort of satisfying narrative but being a true crime show i'd argue also s-town s-town specifically yes um yeah not not to imply that this sounds serious is trying to crib from s-town just that no ethically bankrupt true crime wants to have a beginning middle end <laughs> plot structure that just isn't there in the real world mm-hmm. it just doesn't get... exist and it's a it's a local story that ends up being a character study all yeah. that stuff this mm-hmm. <laughs> i think you actually nailed on one of the things that endeared me to this sound serious especially season one from the beginning is how aggressively local everyone's achievements and everyone's moments of pride are in a way that's not necessarily insulting to the greater Orlando area, but everything has to come with a qualifier of I was the best rapper in 
Cincinnati, Ohio. Or, uh, he was the best yep. damn weatherman in the Orlando area. He was the best was. damn weatherman so, in the Orlando area. <laughs> did you, when did you get around to listening to the first season, at least? So I actually listened to the first season in 2018 when it came out, more or less, um, because uh, one one or two of the creators are friends with Paul Bay. Um, and Paul mentioned it online, mentioned it on Twitter. And I went, Oh, that sounds interesting. Um, and yeah, I started listening to it and I was immediately hooked. So I've, I've written before about my problems with not just true crime podcasts, but also parody true crime podcasts. Yep. Um, or ones that say that they're parody true crime because there are a lot of podcasts that have that tagline, that that's what they say that they are. And then instead of actually using a parody to reject tropes, they keep falling into the same ones. 100%. And the same ones that they keep falling into are the really dangerous, like, like Gavin said earlier, ethically bankrupt ones about like mm-hmm. women dying in horrifically violent ways and like having their bodies described, which is actually something that this sounds serious comments on very specifically in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the fact that in season one, this sounds serious was able to genuinely pull off a satire that didn't feel like, it was still punching down. It was really impressive. And there's also this, I mean, this is subjective. Like there's going to be people who aren't sucked into it, but it starts off, at least for me, my brain was like, ah, it's a parody. So like it's, it's a parody, but then the mystery gets you. And like, yeah, there's, it's funny. Ha ha. He, he drowned in a water bed, but like, how (laughs) like they they bake the story in just enough that you're like yeah it is funny but like how like we are gonna find out right Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you start to buy into it and then suddenly by like episode by the time uh the fake hard copy show comes up in the rotation you're just like oh i actually care if it was the weatherman strangler or not (laughs) I think that's something to be said for the, the this sounds serious crew is that when they when they're building these these stories that are satire parody whatever word you want to use right um it's not just an excuse to make a long series of jokes yes 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 which I find super exhausting personally yes this sounds serious has an engaging storyline in both seasons. <laughs> I uh, I sent you a screenshot of it. There's a, a Vice interview with Vice Canada or whatever. I don't know if there's like a name for it, if they just had a Canadian version of Vice. Uh, Vice interviewed Pat Kelly, one of the Kellys of Kelly and Kelly who produced this uh, and mentioned, was it, uh, what, where is it? Was it an appreciation of the genre or were you ripping on these tropes we've become so saturated in? Pat Kelly says... When we started jamming on the idea originally months ago, we were going to approach by fully attacking the tropes. We thought this needs to be made fun of because there's so much of it. Then The Onion came out with a very fatal murder, which is just a parade of jokes. 
basically doing all the work you'd need to do to make fun of the genre. So we step back and so we step back and ask ourselves, what do they or what do we like about this? Um, Kelly and Kelly and everyone involved in the production of season one had the opportunity to do jokey jokes and to effectively make the podcasting version of Meet the Spartans or Scary Movie 7, where the joke isn't even necessarily <laughs> that the joke itself is funny, right? Like, it's more that you get what they're referencing. Meet the Spartans has a joke about Britney Spears shaving her head. And it's not a joke. It's just a high phone. It's just a reference to the fact that Britney Spears went through a pretty rough time and cut her hair off. Uh, there's a difference between actual good parody and something that's a reference. And that's what's supposed to make you laugh. They had mm -hmm. all the opportunity in the world to make something lazy like that. And I think a very fatal murder has its moments, but also is it protects itself by being absurdist in a way. Mm. Um, Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to be nice. With a very fatal murder, um, while remaining in the realm of being kind, um. <laughs> oh God, I've set myself up for failure. Um, it's not. It's not even necessarily that we have to play nice with the onion people. It's just more that. Uh, it's just more that this sound series is much better at doing just this so better. better. Just so much better. It is it's just so much better. Also, I want to say like when we describe, cause I would describe this sound serious and their stories as surreal. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people might equate that surrealism with, with absurdism, but of course they're not the same. Um, and I think that even though A Very Fatal Murder leans on this really absurd, unreal series of, we will say, events that are somewhat, I guess, connected, um, they aren't grounded in anything. And so it... <laughs> they, aren't, they aren't grounded in, like, any one, like, common theme except to make all of these jokes about different things related to true crime podcasting. Yeah. And it, it makes it feel almost like a stand-up comedy set that hasn't been very well thought through. And it's talking at you, not working yeah. with you. Cause there are moments in season one and we will talk about season two, but like, I'm just kind of focusing on the Daniel Bronstadt thing. There are moments in season one where you can kind of suss out that's a serial reference, but it also works as a critique of true crime in general. Like you don't have to know the reference to understand mm -hmm. what's funny about it. Um, and I think something that's kind of difficult to compliment without it sounding like a backhanded thing is this sounds serious knows pacing to the point where they understand where it's important to not be funny or to not be yeah. pursuing a punchline we've been watching we've been watching a lot of key and peel recently we just started at the beginning and started going through it and while key and peel just in general is a fantastic show 
one thing that super stands out to me, especially in the later seasons where they don't have to do the uh, the crowd work, because there's a I think it's like season four. They get rid of the moments where Key and Peele are kind of riffing in front of a crowd in like a improvised stand up routine that sets up the next sketch. It turns into uh, the, those interstitial bits are them in a car talking to each other on a road trip. Mm-hmm. And it takes away some of the weight of those crowd scenes once they do that a lot of their sketches don't even necessarily have endings they just have or they don't have punchline endings they're more just satisfactory endings uh most notably the most recent one i can think of is there's a uh it's set in like the 1980s and it's this like jazzercise olympics finalists recording (laughs) where Key and Peele are playing people who do jazzercise and they're doing this whole dance routine and it's set to like this energetic music, but then it, the camera keeps cutting away from them to Clint Howard, who's like a stagehand, and he's writing these cue cards and he's showing them to cue cards are like, keep dancing. Just got a phone call. Your wife is in the hospital. She got T-boned on the interstate. Your daughter was in the car. And it just keeps getting more worse and worse. And it's like, the police need to know, are there any leads? Is there anyone with the motive? Like, <laughs> it just keeps escalating to a point where it's almost a horror video. Or it's like, it has this sort of like looming dread. The The end of the sketch is not, it's nothing. It's funny, but it's like, eh. But you don't remember that. You remember this growing sense of dread and absurdism. And that, that I think that perfectly describes this sounds serious when it's working at its best, when you don't know what's going to happen when she goes to, when Gwen goes to the ranch for the first time and he <laughs> just like starts walking up and don't park there. I'm keeping the <laughs> driveway open for emergency vehicles. Uh, he starts rambling on about you want to ever combed a miniature pony and yelling about don't walk in there that's just the barn like there's this wild yo-yoing between funny things and ominous things and you don't know where you, you never know where you sit with daniel uh even when you get near the end and then the turn happens <laughs> uh <laughs> the turn the turn which leads me to what did you think about the ending when you first hit it? Um, when I first hit the finale for season one. Yeah. Um. So I thought that that was a very interesting choice. So the the um, what they do in the finale is that uh, the subject that she is investigating takes over the mic and he becomes the host of mm-hmm. her podcast. Um, and I thought that that was absolutely fascinating on so many levels. <laughs> um, some of which I'm not sure were intentional, but probably were. Um, starting with, you know, uh, these these podcasts where they do, in giant air quotes, investigative journalism, uh, you know, using the internet and asking people questions and, and uh, accusing random people of crimes <laughs> on their podcast <laughs> uh, and, like, dragging their name through the mud because that's because they have no evidence other than what they found on the internet. Um, 
(laughs) You know, it's this, oh, well, the person who I've been talking about in this fashion is now going to use his own voice to talk about himself and his perspective, right? I thought that that was very good. I also just thought that, like, Daniel taking over was just absolutely freaking hysterical. Oh, yeah. Because he's just a funny character. And then you get this... It sounds kind of flat, but, like, it's, it's this... Yeah. They've made, like, the subject of the investigation is a genuinely hysterical person. Whether he means to be or not. And the thing is, like, you've been prompted since the beginning of the show when you find out Daniel and Chuck are twins. You've been prompted for Daniel killed Chuck. Or yeah. Chuck killed Daniel. And Yep. Um But the show kind of just lets you assume Daniel killed Chuck and had a reason to do so, but because it's impossible to convict. He just got away with it. And it's only when things start to fall, you know, right near the end when enough pieces slot in that you hit that wonderful butter zone where there's not like one moment where the show knows that, you know, but it's safe to assume a good portion of listeners have until you get to the grand reveal, which is either a huge surprise if you haven't figured it out, or it's incredibly gratifying to be like, yes, like, Mm -hmm. I got it. But the thing that we that I feel like makes this a lot more satisfying than any true crime is the voicemail of Chuck singing, which is simultaneously, I think, scary and really ominous. And also mm-hmm. massive closure that you never get in a true crime show. Like in a real world him leaving that voicemail means lawsuit. <laughs> it means he potentially yeah. could, he could be double jeopardy kind of sort of for uh, the case. Cause we now know it's Chuck, but since it's a piece of fiction, you as the listener have to kind of s- just settle with like, he's out there <laughs> and yep. she couldn't, she couldn't get him. She She knows the truth, but she couldn't do anything about it. Which kind of leads us into I, season two. Yeah. Right. I love season two so much. Um, <laughs> uh, season two, the ending to season two, if we're comparing finales. Mm-hmm. No, let me back up. <laughs> so in season two... Uh, you know, she's, uh, Gwen, Gwen's back and she's investigating the, the disappearance of a young woman called Melissa Turner. Um, and no one has found her body and it turns out that she's like a, like a serial disappearing act. (laughs) Um, uh, and you know, she starts off, Gwen starts off the podcast by saying, the season by saying that she thinks that Melissa is dead. Yeah. Which, right, so everybody everybody thinks that. She hasn't been, she's been missing for, how long was it? Like, four years? I think so. Three years? Um, 
And so, of course, you know, you're primed to think, okay, well, Melissa is dead and you, and like, has been murdered and you agree with Gwen. And then there's this really well-crafted arc in Gwen's approach to how she is presenting Melissa and Melissa's disappearance that by the time you get to the finale and Gwen says, Gwen talks about how she feels really uncomfortable with the assumptions that she's been making. Mm-hmm. And with with that single thing, with that single like note about how uncomfortable she is with her decisions and her thought process, um, that's how it cues in the audience that, oh, well, maybe Melissa's not dead, right? It's very sad. And, and then- just like just like with the with the Chuck voicemail, the the message that she gets at the end leads to some very satisfying closure. It's just, they play with so many themes and emotions over these two seasons. I just, there's a sense of hopelessness and frustration in season two, which is very well achieved. So much so that it's like, I find myself leaning towards liking season one, just because season one's a little bit more upbeat and a little bit goofier. Mm. But that's kind of because of how well they achieve season two, because there's all this like, political infighting and the whole thing about Mm -hmm. jimmy's mom uh also i just want to take a brief moment Uh, there's a whole article about this that i'll link in the show notes uh that kind of says all this in a better way but like it's worth pointing out this podcast is basically recorded as live as humanly possible every element that they can replicate in person they do the whole bank hostage phone call is recorded over the the actual mic is recording the output of a phone and they have called the actor who's playing jimmy and jimmy is surrounded by the actors who are playing all the hostages and they're in a large room so that jimmy's voice echoes uh the same thing is like a big office right yeah like they have an they have a big wide open office space and then they have like a a medium-sized room and then they have a small room and when they need to be in a car they go record in a car and something so it's kind of hard to say this sound series has good sound design because there there is sound design at work they are having to add in some things after the fact but a lot of it is just it's good mic etiquette and they are getting good stuff live in the moment um which is not something you hear a lot in audio fiction because it takes, it it takes a lot. Like we're talking about a production company that's been making, uh, what's the name of it? The, uh, that news parody uh, show that they, this, this is, is it, this is it, this or that, this is it. I think so. My brain just died again. Let's just go to their website where it was just at. This is that. Um, this is that. Kelly, yeah, it is the name Kelly of the game. Kelly have okay. been making this thing for CBC Radio for years and years. Uh, they have all these other shows under their belt. Of course, this sound series has the budget and has the, you know, physical space to mm-hmm. do these things. But it's kind of refreshing to see people with 
this kind of access and this kind of ability actually flex and do that. Unlike say other mm -hmm. audio fiction media companies that just kind of pay SAG after rates to get one celebrity and put that one celebrity in the thumbnail. And that's basically it. Subtle. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh no but no I, uh, I yeah you're you're making a really good point about this about this mic etiquette thing right because this is this is on location recording right mm -hmm. and and on location recording is something that that i think we should point out that john dryden is famous for yes um so john dryden makes uh he makes audio drama uh, he makes audio fiction with the bbc um he's one of the co-creators of passenger list he made human bay he's got a huge long repertoire um but on location recording is his thing um and uh that's what this sound serious is and it's not easy and it's not easy to do and yeah you need a pretty decent budget to make it happen well i think um if only because like you're outside or you're in like these big spaces that are not acoustically prepped for the situation mm -hmm. um and it's one thing to make things sound as realistic as possible in air quotes. Can't see me doing them. Um, <laughs> but in some cases, that just doesn't sound good in audio, right? So I have this example from actually a sound design for the Farm Meridian. Um, in the sound designing for the Farm Meridian, there's an episode in the Farm Meridian where a record, like a, a vinyl record, gets broken um, yeah. by being thrown off of a high place. And, and Misha Stanton, uh, the sound designer, they recorded the record a record being broken like they found like the sound of like that th that physical object being broken and the the showrunner eli barraza said it doesn't sound right and misha was like well that's what it sounds like and eli yeah, was that no that's not right it doesn't sound <laughs> the way that the audience expects it to sound that's the most frustrating right? fucking thing is when your brain says <laughs> no that's not what a door sounds yeah. like you you absolute fool mm-hmm yeah so the sound of the record breaking in the Farm Meridian is the record breaking with, if I remember correctly, a light bulb being smashed at the same time overlaid ah. upon each other. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the, kind of the same concept where, you know, you can record yourself in, in a giant room because you want your character to be in a giant room, but that's not, like, that echo is going to be hard to deal with. That sound quality to your voice is going to be hard to deal with. And it's not going to sound quite the way that you imagine it in your brain. So I think that it's just really impressive that they, I agree with you, that they just do all of this, you know, on location as much as possible. And then you add that on top of such deftly executed implementation of tropes, like... Mm -hmm. The amount of compression and distortion that's used to make to make Chuck sound like he's coming through a TV mic, uh, or <laughs> to make uh, to make the um, the recordings of the town hall meetings with Jimmy's mom, who I haven't listened to season two in about a week and a half, so I'm having a hard time remembering any names from season two. Uh, uh, Rhoda. Rhoda. Uh, hearing like pre-recorded audio of Rhoda versus Rhoda in person or Rhoda over the phone because of how like old the things we're talking about are. So like all the stuff in season one's in the nineties. So there's a lot of fuzz to it. There's a lot of um, 
cheesy music and Orlando, the gateway to adventure or whatever. <laughs> uh, like all those like touristy things and you could just feel it. You can feel the like muted green VHS tones with the palm trees and uh, sunshine and people in bad polyester suits. And then in season two, you get like that sort of serial vibe where there's a lot of probably a lot of bad VHS recordings of, of things from like 2015, even though they shouldn't be using VHS anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You always feel like you are in that moment that they want you to be in. And it's not, they don't go too far with the jokey jokes. Like there aren't that many references to Disney in season one, even though that would be the easiest thing to make fun of. They do mention like Daniel has an obsession with roller coasters. And uh, there are a couple of direct Mm -hmm. mentions of Disney world, but it's more that, Orlando kind of has to satisfy the fact that everyone thinks about theme parks when they think about Orlando. Uh, yep. This is also coming from someone who has been to Orlando a couple of times. So of course, the, if it had been like, who gives a shit, Kansas, like I wouldn't be sitting here like, Oh, they really got it right. <laughs> it's more that they picked a city that has a reputation um, and then they just kind of pick random cities from the Midwest for every other character's backstory and stuff. Like at one point they mentioned Indianapolis and I'm like, I've been there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why they mentioned it. Cause it's someplace I would have been out here in the Midwest where there's nothing. Uh, I don't know. It just, I, I, it's hard for me to talk about this sound series without just sitting here being like, it's a great show. Listen to it. Especially since, we're having a conversation from the perspective that a lot of people listening have heard it already. Uh, do you, are there yeah. any particular like? I think there's something that's. Oh yeah. No, no I, feel free. I was just going to transition to talking about any specific characters we like. Oh well, I was going to keep talking about this this idea of the trope thing to tie it back to something you were talking about earlier, which was that the fact that in mm-hmm. that they have a the Kelly and Kelly have a really big focus on, um, not just satirizing true crime podcasting but true crime as a whole and then the way that in season two they broaden that scope out to youtube mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yes so good so well done this as like someone, this look as at who's in a digital media creation yeah like mm-hmm. they nailed it they nailed that sensation of hey everybody there's this wacky community that you've never heard of uh come with me on this adventure like as somebody who just watched probably about an hour's worth of uh 14 things you didn't know you needed to bring with you to disney world even though like i don't need that information gavin (laughs) i've just kind of fallen into the disney hot tips community for some reason probably because a lot of them have super fake happy voices so it's like high energy and then there's like train YouTube. Oh, Dear God, if, hey, good luck if you fall into the Thomas <laughs> section of YouTube. <laughs> there's just there's so there's yeah, all these uh, in, in, right these little like in jokes right about the way that that certain niche communities let's say work on platforms like YouTube and they all have like all the all the like completely bullshit jargon that these communities make up to make their mm-hmm. things sound more cool and like jimmy's part of the smell community and it's yes. alarming at uh, it's alarming how 
how fleshed out the smell community that this sounds serious makes up is. There, one of my favorite caveat: com- if there is a smell community, I am so sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, I was thinking about that while I was saying Just it. Just like <laughs> one of my. Favorite I'm sure that there videos. is like a like a sense thing. Yeah, but oh, this is definitely be... not like a sense thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> the incense review community. Uh, one of my yeah. favorite videos ever made is uh, ProZD's video about like a hobby a hobby when you get into it and a hobby after you join the subreddit for it where it's like him taking a drink of water and going hmm and then it cuts to two weeks later and he's like okay and he starts describing like all these insufferable jargon terms for all right so you got more vertical glasses and more horizontal verties and horries we call them and he like just starts rambling on about making taking a sip of water far too mechanical and far too uh nerdy and then the person he's talking to just walks away and he goes not again like (laughs) that's what falling into a hobby is like to a t and this sounds serious manages to capture that without also Mm -hmm. sort of condemning that idea it's more just here's gwen reacting to this thing that gwen did not expect to be engaging with Mm -hmm. it's this like I I mean I said this earlier, but this is just another example of how this sound series is really committed to not punching down. Yes. Right. It's like they're committed to finding the things about like experiences that listeners, that audiences may have had, um, that they can identify with, and and what is hilarious and possibly absurd or surreal or just very true about all of those experiences. And that's funny when you're just kind of like, yeah, that's the way it is. <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> I just, I can't get over the, the, you, when they, when they started pulling in YouTube. So in season two, they start pulling in YouTube, not with um, Jimmy, who's in the like incense community, um, smell community, but uh, with Melissa, who makes, like, YouTube origami videos, right? Which, um, by the way, mechanically hard to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I My heart goes um, out to anybody whose hobby is reaching their arms around a tripod to do something underneath the camera looking straight down. Like, that is... For real. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> That also Please like your arms j- break, friend. Just since we're right here, I just want to also like compliment to the air. Uh the fact that Gwen finds all this information by tracking through Instagram stuff and YouTube comments that in a way that Rhoda didn't think to see about a way of censoring, you know, like it modern mm-hmm. the way the younger generation is communicating and leaving behind a paper trail is not something that's somebody trying to cover up a murder who's older would think to do. So it gives the listener who doesn't know Melissa faked it. It gives the listener license to be like, ah, fucking got you wrote it. Like there's this, (laughs) we got a smoking gun here. There's this like sort of (laughs) red herring excitement to, Oh shit. There's comments. We know 
they're dating. <laughs> yeah. And it possibly is like not this like like younger, older generation, but also just like the character that they've set up of yeah. Rhoda at this point when she finds the comment. Um who is someone who is very much attached to the past. I mm-hmm. mean, she she wipes she wipes her town from Google Maps. Yeah. Like she gets it like removed or something. The palm um, pilot which on the one hand you're like okay well yeah <laughs> which on the one hand you're like okay well that's clearly someone that understands like how the internet works right because yeah. she knows that you appear on google maps and there's ways to like get that to like not be there anymore and granted it's presented as a kind of slight conspiracy theory but also in the sense of like someone who wants to leave all of that behind so it's not something that she would think of first It's very good. It is very. And good. I realize that like half of this podcast is just us saying that it's really good, but like this sound series is really good. <laughs> it is, and that's mainly why I wanted to do it, even if it does make for a lot of us just be like, you should listen to it, even though statistically you've listened to it already. Because uh, yep, it's very rare we get a show that's this constructed like i don't want to sit here and say this sound series is the best podcast ever made or it's the best part is the best fiction show but fuck me is it so relieving to get a show where you can point at it and go that's well made and you don't have to make a caveat for it Mm -hmm. if you want to get super granular there's the whole cult subplot in season one could be taken as a little, it's not necessarily punched down E, but it could be rough territory for a lot of people to listen Mm -hmm. to. Even if, even with the assurance that it's, it's jokey jokes and it, it, it does not get serious in any way. Uh, and then, right. you know, because the important thing is to pay attention to the title of the podcast is that this sounds serious. This sounds serious. Yeah. But it's, it's, Possibly, probably not. Right. Bearing in mind Chuck's final voicemail, which I suppose was incredibly creepy. Um. God, it's so creepy. <laughs> and like, I remember listening. I I heard that voicemail at six fifty a.m. after having driven no. all night. Like, I clocked in at eight 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 p.m. and then it was it was near the end of my shift. Like, I remember where I was what turn I was at when the song started because it just like, it was a moment locked in time of like, Oh shit. That's how they're ending this. And she starts doing the credits over the song. Mm -hmm. And then he starts switching between the Chuck and Daniel voice that, and it like keeps amping to like this point where you realize, Oh, this is it. We're done. Like the story's over. And you've just given me this wonderful gift of a satisfying ending. That also comes up in the Vice interview at one point. They mention uh, preferring a certain true crime show to Serial because that one uh, that one show had an actual like ending. The Jinx. Um, there it is. They the they jinx, they, yeah. uh, they mention preferring the Jinx. Uh, the reason why I'm quoting it here, but the reason why people like them is they're true and there's built-in drama it just sucks when you get to episode 10 and they say we don't know any more than we did in episode one killer's still out there bye <laughs> which is a good chunk of true crime yep 
So yeah, I appreciate a story that I can walk into. At least by the time I got to season two that I can walk into and I can walk into without worrying that I'm going to end up cringing or having to pause it halfway through mm-hmm. or feel like I have ethically compromised myself <laughs> <laughs> by listening to it. There um, are a few. Also, there are several. <laughs> there's something to be said about a podcast where there is a season two and season two is really good. But if this sounds serious, never does anything again there's a satisfactory amount of content having been produced right like Mm -hmm. um it's it's self-contained in that you you do get to see gwen grow as a character but it's not that's not necessarily the point of the show so you could listen Mm -hmm. to season two without listening to season one and do them in the flip because if anything the beginning of season one worried me about uh gwen talking about her obsession with listening to 911 calls which i i realize is the setup for the show in a way but it felt like there were going to be a lot of jokes with her about that and i i wasn't in the mindset yet of oh this sounds serious is going to treat me right so i was kind of worried it was going to be like a thing (laughs) that kept coming up and they don't really lean into it in the beginning of season two but just as one package it works if there's never a season three great Kind of like um, that rom-com I just listened to, uh, Bed Sitcom. Bed Sitcom, for all of its pluses and minuses, is six parts, and that's it. There's there's a kind of an open ending, but there's no, like, there will be a season two. And I think a season two of it would actually detract from the show. And I just I, we don't get a lot of that in podcasting because there are a lot of shows that are constructed from the perspective of the writer has six seasons in a movie worth of stuff that's been outlined because they got all these ideas. I know I'm guilty of it. I got a lot of standard docking procedure stuff that I could make. Um, it's just nice to see a, a thing like this is a thing. It, you can put it in a box and there it is on the shelf that this is the sound series. <laughs> <laughs> put it in a box and put it on the shelf Gavin because <laughs> well, you can't do that with like the adventure zone because the adventure zone is such a evolving thing because there's always going to be a new season there's always going to be more mm-hmm. my brother my brother and me and maybe that new stuff down the line changes the legacy a little bit for better or worse with this sound serious you know I'd argue however that yeah I'd, I'd argue that podcasting kind of has a little bit of both, though, because I think one yeah. of the things that are, at, le- at the very least, if we're talking about fiction podcasting, mm-hmm. something that I've noticed that has gotten way more popular in fiction podcasting maybe last year, um, let's say, maybe a couple of years, um, is this concept of a limited series. Yeah. Which is, like, one self-contained story told over the course of five six eight ten episodes um and it's true that some of them occasionally have the sensation that there could be more to the story um if for instance the podcaster found funding for it um but they're all self-contained they have an ending that gives you satisfaction Mm mm-hmm Possibly not a conclusion, but an ending, 
Right. Also sitting here um, thinking about it, most of my examples of shows that run for that get long in the tooth were cheap to produce early on or, or not mm-hmm. not like a bad way, but like the format of the right. show afforded the uh, producers, whether it be single narrator or they had a bunch of friends who were actors who liked to be part of it. It was cheaper to produce early on, so they were able to do it more serialized and then it just kind of continued <laughs> for several years and here we are uh again not a bad thing but like, i just Mm-mm. i like every now and then being able to be like i have consumed this piece of entertainment it's like not watching movies for a while and you just watch a shitload of youtube and then you go back and watch a well-crafted movie and you're like oh that's what that feels like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember that these exist. <laughs> <laughs> There's a different kind of plot structure besides Bon Appetit videos. Great. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, Ellie, I think we've, uh, I think we've sufficiently uh, shouted from the rooftops about our feelings on This Sounds Serious. Where can people I find I have so many feelings, you? Gavin. There, we all have so many feelings. Uh, especially <laughs> the people who are having fun at Podcast Evolutions, po- Podcast Movement Evolutions in sunny uh, California right now, which kind of dates when we recorded this. I'm getting, I'm getting DM'd photos of the train at uh, Disneyland right now because, of course... <laughs> <laughs> wow, rude. <laughs> I know that's and you, they- Anne. Yeah. actually not Anne. Uh, <laughs> it was mad and the caption is for you <laughs> acceptable <laughs> i appreciate it um but ellie <laughs> now that we've made it all the way here to the end and we're both somehow still awake where can people find you online amazing um you can find me on twitter at showmark that's s-h-o-m-a-r-q um, you can also find my website at elenafernandezcollins.com and you can sign up for my newsletter, Audio Dramatic, at audiodramatic.com. I don't Gavin, know I was giving. I don't know where I was, can people I, find I, you? My brain went give it space so you can edit around it, but I don't know what I would need to edit around it because I can say this now. <laughs> um, I was just, I, I, I just did a T-do this morning um, and I was going to slip oh. in reference to the fact that uh i'm doing this new show but then i realized we didn't do recommendations at the end of it so whoops you can find me on twitter at the pod report i also have a website called the pod report i have launched a new show that is damn hard to find without just searching it in your podcast catching app of choice that isn't stitcher yet uh you can get it on spotify apple and i think podcast attic and podcast pocket cast because they parse apple um it's called stuff i've listened to because i've been really bad about listening to newer shows and newer episodes of shows i like when they come out and i kind of let just things build up so i've started this weekly series where i listen to things over the weekend while i'm at work and then by wednesday i've sat down and kind of gotten my thoughts out so if you enjoy spoilers ahoy or when will and i talk about a particular show on tuned in dialed up um basically it's just me freeing myself from the constraints of no spoilers on tuned in dialed up and i can kind of go long on rants where in tidu or here i would have to kind of reel it in for time constraints um 
you can get episodes every week when they come out by pledging on Patreon, the same Patreon that helps make Tuned In Dialed Up happen, which is patreon.com forward slash Gavin G. Or you can just look up the show and hear episodes a week later on the public feed in your podcatcher of choice. Uh, I think that'll about do it. Ellie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was very fun to have you on for something not dour for once. <laughs> Wow, it's amazing what it feels like to be able yeah. to do words that are happy words. Right. And not Turns me going, out you're allowed ah, to have fun. Into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. Stop the music. Uh, we're, uh, we're going to dispose of a credit pirate for this episode. Uh, Dave tried to eat an entire seafood sampler by himself. It didn't go well. So the music used in this episode was One-Eyed Maestro and uh, Parisian by Kevin Mac MacLeod. I've never seen this before. I... Uh, thank you to Elena Fernandez Collins for coming on this show and for Gavin Gaddis for this horrible voice and for being the sa spoilers ahoy sailor at the beginning. Okay.